one. Hi guys, welcome back to the Mel K Show. I am very excited today. Um, we have a doctor here who has been um, a source of truth and trying to get the word out. He is not only somebody who has uh, a protocol that can treat uh, anything that's coming our way, whatever COVID is or the vaccines or all of that, but he's also telling people the facts that they are not getting anywhere else. Welcome, Dr. Artis. You have become quite the superstar in fighting this battle on the front lines, and I'm really, really happy to have you here. Well, there's been several people. Thank you, Mel Kay, for having me on and introducing myself to your audience. I don't know if they've probably seen my face somewhere, but it's been flying around on videos and TikTok and social media. I'm going to lure. Yeah. My kids in college are sending me all these TikToks going, Dad, look, it's 3.3 million views. You're all over the place. It's in Arabic and blah, blah, blah. Oh, my really God. Well, so it's, there's, it's there's good reason for it. Because uh, yeah. you've been out there telling the truth to the people and we're not getting it from the mainstream media. I don't know what happened to doctors and their Hippocratic oath, uh, but we certainly need more of you out there. So um, why don't you tell my audience a little bit about yourself and uh, how you ended up being on the front lines in the battle for the truth about COVID and the vaccines? Absolutely. So just before we even get started, how much time do we have? Uh, we have an hour. Okay. All right, so here we go. Number one, I am a chiropractor, acupuncturist, and clinical nutritionist. I actually did go off and take the MCAT and get ready to go into med school. Before I went into med school, though, I realized drugs actually weren't fixing issues in my family with my sister's health problems, with my own kids' problems. So I decided it was time to go somewhere else. So I went to chiropractic school, acupuncture school, became a clinical nutritionist, had a practice for five years from 2004 to 2009 in Tennessee, where I served and helped people around the world. But then I actually sold that practice in 2009, moved to Dallas, Texas, and opened up the Artist Healing Center in Frisco, Texas, and ran that for the next 10 years. We were able to serve 15,000 patients from wow. 16 different countries, and I specialized in helping to identify the causes for underlying diseases, particularly autoimmune diseases. Those are my favorite, to help identify what the causes are and reverse those over a six-month to one-year period, and we got to be very good at it. So that's what I did for the last 20 years. Now, 2018, I sold my practice and then uh, the second practice, and I decided to actually develop my own product. So there's a nutritional company that me and my wife launched uh, actually in January 2020, just before COVID. Wow. So January 2020, we launched this company called Artist Labs. Uh, I actually release an acne line of products. It's all natural because I had four teenagers who were battling acne. They asked me to fix it like I fixed all my patients. So right. I did. And when it worked really well, we did clinical trials, and then I released it on the masses. So that's at artistlabs.com. Right. That was in January, 2020. Wow. The very next month, my father-in-law walks into a hospital here in Dallas, Texas, and he's diagnosed with the flu. He has fever and a headache is what he has. And they diagnose him with the flu. Day two, they call us to tell us that he has pneumonia. Day three, they call us to say he's in acute kidney failure. Day five, they call us to tell us he's now going in and out of consciousness and he's in severe acute kidney failure. And that's when I went up to the hospital on day five, the evening of. Only to find out when I walked in the room that there was a bag next to the saline bag, you know, your salt water bag that they inject IV fluids with right. next to that IV bag was a bag of an antibiotic called vancomycin. Now this is education for your entire audience and everyone worldwide. Even the CDC on their own website states that if you have a viral diagnosis, it is unwarranted to actually give a person an antibiotic antibiotics only treat bacterial infections and they say on their own site it can cause more harm than benefit to put antibiotics in a viral diagnosed patient 
Now I'm looking at that bag, only I know something about that drug. Vancomycin is known to cause in a high percentage of people acute kidney failure in three to five days. And they called me two days earlier to say he was now in acute kidney failure, oh my which God. doesn't make sense with a pneumonia-like infection they said he had the day before diagnosed with the flu, obviously. So I knew right then that they'd probably had him on vancomycin from day one. So I asked the nurse's station, when are they, when's the next doctor going to be here? Now, I need you to understand, Mel Kate, when I walked in that night, he was a very thin 90-year-old man. When I walked in, he had a belly full of 20 pounds of water at least, and his belly felt like a water bag, like mm. a water bed. That's what it felt like. So he's now full of water because of the acute kidney failure. <gasps> so I just need to let everybody know what's going on here. So because this leads into why I will not stop talking about this, why I'm actually doing media interviews every day, five, 10 a day, literally everywhere, and I will not stop. Great. So this is what happens. The next morning I show up at, at 8 a.m., 9 a.m., the doctor, attending doctor, walks in and opens the door. It hits me, and he didn't know I was going to be standing there. And he goes, hi, I'm Dr. So-and-so. And I said, hi, I'm Dr. Artis. Right. And he, I said, I need you to show me on the computer in the room what you found in him day one when he came in. And now he's unconscious. He also has another 10 pounds of water from the night oh my before God. in his body. So I said, pull up what you found on day one. You said you diagnosed him with the flu. I want to see all the pathology tests that you ran. Uh, to diagnose him with the flu and he goes sure i'll show you so he pulls up the day one's testing and they find and as he's going he is shocked when he's pointing at each of the bugs they tested him for he points at influenza a negative influenza b negative viral pneumonia negative bacterial pneumonia negative and as he's looking at that you can see this query in his face and i said i have a question for you now I know he did not test for the flu. Why did you call us and tell us that he had the flu right. when he didn't test positive for it? And they said, because we believed it was a false negative. And I said, even if it was a false negative and you think it was the flu, why do you have him on vancomycin that's an antibiotic? Have you found there's nothing on here that says he tested positive for any bacterial infection? And he goes, no, uh, that's actually not the only antibiotic that we put him on on day one. We actually put him on two other antibiotics on day one. And I said, why would you do that? Why would you throw three antibiotics at a supposed false negative flu test and then a false diagnosis? And he said, because the flu diagnosis for hospitals, the protocol is these three antibiotics. Start them right away. And I said, you have to get them off that vancomycin right now. And shame on you. This is what I said. And shame on you in front of my wife and her unconscious dad. I said, and shame on you you know that vancomycin causes acute kidney failure. And you called me two days ago to tell me that he was in acute kidney failure right. from day one. You have been shutting down his kidneys with that drug. You called me on day two to tell me that he had pneumonia. Show me the x-rays. And he pulls it up on day two x-rays. He points at the lung fields and I, and he goes, there's the pneumonia. And I went just like this, where's the pneumonia. And he points at it again. And in the lung fields on an x-ray, you will see these spotty, like white cauliflower looking blotches inside of x-rays of chest x-rays. When you have pneumonia, mm -hmm. he had none of that. But what he did have is in the lower lung fields, he had this fine line and a solid white opacity, they call it, or shadow of water, wow. which means he now had pulmonary edema, water in his lungs, because the night before they started him on vancomycin that started shutting down his kidneys. He couldn't urinate. And then they were pumping him full of water and the water now filled up his abdomen within 24 hours was now leaking into his lungs and around his heart to give them this false second misdiagnosis of pneumonia. 
And I looked at him and I said, that's not pneumonia. That's pulmonary edema. You know, that's what water looks like. And you're shutting down his kidneys. Day three, you said he's now in acute kidney failure. There's evidence on day two. That's what it was actually. I said, so I need you to show me the sputum test you would have done to determine was it bacterial or viral pneumonia? And he said, we don't do that test. And I said, hold up. You can't diagnose pneumonia from an x-ray. You have to do a sputum test to determine if that's accurate. And he goes, that's not hospital protocol. <gasps> and I said, so you did no protocol. You did no, you did no testing to determine if it really was pneumonia. And he goes, no, we can just tell in the lung field. Yeah. So day three, they then call us and just tell us he's now in worsened pneumonia, more further acute kidney failure by day five. He now has so much water in his lungs and in his brain, he's going oh. unconscious and they put him on this mask that forces air into his lungs because now they are drowning him to death with his own fluids. This is what was going on by day on this day, by day seven, I was calling him out on everything they were doing. They would actually change the protocol. He would improve. And then that night they'd call us and say, we have permanently stopped that treatment for no reason other than to cover their butts because they knew they were going to be liable for the things I was making them do, asking right. them to do. And on day seven, they called security and had me escorted out of the <laughs> building, out of the hospital and refused to ever talk to me again. And then convinced my wife's family that he was going to die. And it was best in the next two days to just put him on a morphine drip and overdose him on morphine over four hours. Morphine paralyzes the diaphragm in his heart and it stopped his heart from beating in a four hour period. And they murdered him it in nine days. Yeah. They flat out murdered him. So this was the experience in February, first week of February, uh, 2020. This is before COVID hit Texas. So there was no COVID in Texas. We were hearing about it in Asia and maybe in California, right. but, uh, anyway, so three months go by, I'm furious. I'm wanting to blow up the hospital, murder all the doctors that killed my father-in-law. I was right. a wreck. And uh, I couldn't go outside the house. I was just so furious. And then comes May. In May, I get an alert on my phone that actually says, today marks the day that America has the most deaths from COVID-19 in one day than any other country in the world from COVID-19. And I went just like this. I was looking at the phone and I was like, why in the greatest free country in, in the world? Why? We have the most expensive, most advanced, supposedly, medically technolo technological country ever. Right. Why would our healthcare system have the most deaths during a pandemic? Right. We're, we're talking more than South America, more than India, more than China, more than Africa, but this thing's going worldwide. Why would America have the most deaths? So I actually just clicked on CNN reports, Fox News reports. I wanted to hear what were the press releases? What were they saying about this COVID-19 thing? Because I had been I had ignored all talks in the media about COVID-19. I didn't watch TV. I didn't do anything. All I was doing was at home was actually researching the entire every day-by-day -day schedule and how they killed my father-in-law to set right. up the entire narrative. That's what I was doing the whole time. So when I see this alert, I was like, I want to know what they're treating him with. So I watched a few reports on CNN and Fox news. And this is what the medical doctors in New York, do you remember Mel K New York was the epicenter? Well, I do. I do. I was there. And uh, yeah, I, I do recall it. And I knew right away that they were uh, that I knew Cuomo right away was killing people and yeah. it was clear. And anyone that you talked to from the hospitals were telling you that we were, what we were seeing on TV was false, but you know, the media did, you know, they, they're the biggest criminals in uh in this game as it is, but it was uh, really in New York, a nightmare. Yeah, so there was one press release after another, one press conference after another with medical doctors, hospital administrators. The whole world wanted to know, 
what are doctors and hospitals experiencing treating COVID-19? So it was all day, every day. So I watched like three or four interviews and there were medical doctors, hospital administrators from New York, and they were all at the pulpit saying, we have never seen a respiratory virus ever do this before. From the moment we start treating this COVID-19 infection, within three to five days, we're seeing, we're seeing the virus attack the kidneys and cause acute kidney failure. We have never seen a respiratory virus do this before. And I was like this, I was watching it and I was like, that's interesting. They said day three, acute kidney failure. Day three was the day they called me. Your father, told me my father was an acute right. kidney failure. And it had nothing to do with a virus. He had supposedly a respiratory virus of pneumonia, viral pneumonia, which was never tested for. So mm -hmm. I thought right away, uh, the medical doctors are being honest. They're saying we've never seen a respiratory virus do this before because they've never done it before or since. Have they ever attacked the kidneys? Ever. So I knew they were being honest about that, but I, I actually thought watching the broadcasts that the doctors were using vancomycin and on day three, they were experiencing acute kidney failure only to find out Mel K. I went on cdc.gov's website to find out, are they using vancomycin as the mandated protocol treatment for COVID-19 patients in America? And it said, we have adopted the mandated protocols from the NIH and Anthony Fauci. Hyperlink here, click, goes to nih.gov. And when that memo comes up on the NIH.gov's website in the middle of May 2020, there is a declared or declaration memo on May 1st, 2020. Anthony Fauci states, all hospitals in America are going to treat COVID-19 hospitalized patients with one drug and one drug only. It is an experimental drug approved for this, uh, an emergency use authorization period. That drug is called remdesivir. And there are two studies he quoted, one about one that the drug was used in an Ebola study from November, 2018 to December, 2019. And this is what he said against Ebola in Africa. We found over that year study that remdesivir was proven safe and effective against Ebola virus. So this year, remember this study ended in December, 2019. We're now in May, 2020, May 1st. It's only four and a half months later. He's saying, I'm using this drug and choosing this drug and one drug only because it was proven effective in that study. We're going to use this one and only drug. And then he quoted a second study that, that happened in March 2020. And it was 53 COVID-19 patients from Japan, America, and Canada. And Gilead Sciences, who owns the patent on remdesivir, did a 53-person study with COVID-19 and gave them remdesivir for 10 days. Only 10 days. And so I didn't know anything about this drug. All I knew was it wasn't ever FDA approved to be safe right. and efficacious. But in the same memo, he says, you cannot use hydroxychloroquine. It's been proven in an international study to cause heart failure and death in COVID-19 treated patients. And I was like, that's weird. That drug's been safe and effective, been used around the world in all of our military every month, right. every month to give them hydroxychloroquine, completely safe, no heart disease, no nothing. Right. For 70 years, it's been FDA approved. So I'm looking at that and I'm like, that's interesting. And then he bad mouths chloroquine and says that can't be used either. You can only use remdesivir. So I decided to find out. I didn't see on the list vancomycin. So I was like, well, it's definitely not the same drug. Let's find out what Anthony Fauci saw in these studies that made it so miraculous. I had no idea, Mel K, that I was the only human on the planet that did this, it appears. I was the only person at home who clicked that link right. to open the New England Journal of Medicine Ebola trial study. And I'm holding it right here. I'm holding it. I've been walking around with this since May 15, 2020, showing the world what it actually told us. Anthony Fauci said, 
Remdesivir was proven to be safe and effective against Ebola in this trial that he hyperlinked in the memo. Now, remember, all the doctors are using this drug in every hospital around the nation at this point, and I had no idea. But when I opened up this, this actual study to read it, there were four drugs put into the study. Can I go through this with your audience? Please. Four drugs put in the study, remdesivir from a company called Gilead Sciences. The second drug was one called ZMAP. It was the United States Department of Health and Human Services. They financed that drug. That drug was actually a monoclonal antibody, a triple one ah. that you're hearing about in the media right now. Right. So it was called ZMAP. The third drug was a singular monoclonal antibody called MAB114. And that drug was put in by DARPA, our own defense oh, research program. Okay. They funded it. They put that drug into the trial. And then there was a fourth drug. It's called Regeneron. And it's a triple monoclonal antibody. And you're hearing about it in the media right now. In fact, the governor of Florida is like, we want to make Regeneron a part of, uh, or this triple monoclonal antibody, a part of our a early treatment prevention against COVID-19 or treatment, right. which is great. I don't mind. Right. But I do have problems. I with think it. that's what and Trump the, used, right? Regeneron. Yeah. He used Regeneron. That's exactly huh. right. So, so that drug he used, it was a hundred thousand dollars for that one drug to treat Donald Trump. Can you believe that? Insane. Uh -huh. Okay. So, Sick. cause it was experimental and it still is. All right. It's not even FDA approved yet still. All right. So remdesivir, ZMAP, MAB114 and Regeneron are the four experimental drugs put into this trial. There are zero control groups. They're just going to pick four regions of Africa and give all the Africans, even, even babies, oh, seven days no. younger. They're going to give this to you. This is not a joke. Seven days and younger were included in the trial. Seven days old. All right. So they gave them all these four drugs individually, separated. And then they have a safety board, who, an independent safety board, who's reviewing this human trial to determine which drugs are safe and which ones are effective. Anthony Fauci in his memo on NIH.gov said it was proven safe and effective in this trial. I couldn't believe it. The safety board reviewed every patient that was given all four drugs from November 2018 till August 2019. At this point, the trial's not over. They're just doing a data review. In the trial documents, underneath the section called mortality, the safety board found that remdesivir killed 54% of all the Ebola patients they gave the drug to. Oh, my God. ZMAP, ZMAP killed 49%. Remdesivir and ZMAP had the highest mortality rate of death in the trial, and the safety board pulled remdesivir and ZMAP from the trial because they killed more people than the other two drugs. Remdesivir had the highest death total. It wasn't even allowed to continue at the end of the trial. I just need to throw this out here because people ask me all the time, what about these monoclonal antibodies, Dr. Artis? And I actually send them table two from this Ebola trial. And it actually shows you all four drugs and it compares the mortality rate of all four drugs. So remdesivir killed 54% of all people they gave it to. Uh, ZMAP killed 49% of everybody they gave it to. The monoclonal antibody by DARPA killed 35% of everybody they gave it to. And Regeneron, a whopping 33% of everybody they gave it to. So these were the death rates. Now, I knew right away Anthony Fauci obviously was lying about remdesivir being found safe and effective against Ebola virus. It didn't even make it to the end of the trial. They found it deadly and they took it out. The safety board didn't even allow it to continue. You know how I knew Anthony Fauci knew this? I mean, I'm holding the document. Right. right? Right. The very last page of their document, of their study. Mm -hmm. Can I read it to you? 
Yes, please. Entire study for a year on Ebola virus with remdesivir now being chosen to be the pandemic drug of choice for all Americans and no other drug. Supported prime. This is in the documents, the Ebola trial funding and disclosures supported primarily by the National Institute of Health of Allergy and Infectious Disease Department headed by Anthony Fauci. You believe it? That's their number one supported document. This is how I knew Anthony Fauci knew everything about these drugs. He also knew two drugs were in the study provided by our own federal government. My question is, if remdesivir was proven to be the deadliest drug in that trial, why didn't he just pick one of the other three that had the lower mortality rates? If he would have picked any of those other three, I would have had a hard time going into the media going, he picked the most dangerous drug. Well, he did. Right. I, I, it makes no other sense why you would have picked this and then why you would lie to the American public. So right. I've been in the media nonstop educating people that Anthony Fauci has selected a drug right. that he knew would kill the majority of Americans he gave it to. So then the second study that he quoted on this memo, this is very important. This sets the whole stage for this entire last year and a half. Right. So the very next study was a cohort study. Now, both of the, both of the studies I'm referencing can be found on the New England Journal of Medicine today. Okay. Okay. So the second study was done by Gilead Sciences. Gilead Sciences owns the patent rights to remdesivir, and they were allowed to do a cohort study, a self-funded study on 53 patients from Japan, America, and Canada. They gave these COVID-19 infected patients 10 days of remdesivir. I couldn't believe what I was reading because Anthony Fauci said it was found to be safe and effective. All right, so here you go. Now, keep in mind, I'm listening to the media and right. the hospitals in New York, the people there are saying that are treating patients, they're saying. We've never seen a virus cause acute renal failure like these patients that we're treating for COVID-19. We've never seen a virus do that. And then they would say, we don't have enough ventilators in New York. We also don't have enough dialysis machines to handle the acute kidney failure. Okay, so listen, two months earlier was this finalized 10-day study treatment of 53 COVID-19 patients from three different countries. And this is what was reported. This is the conclusions of Gilead's own study. 23% had serious adverse events. The most common serious adverse events, acute kidney failure, multiple organ dysfunction syndrome. That means oh. multiple organs have failed. A hypotension and septic shock. All four of these serious adverse events are lethal, by the way, but acute kidney failure and multiple organ failure in 23% of everybody they gave it to. In less than 10 days, 8% of all the, the, the uh, patients in this trial had to discontinue remdesivir early. They couldn't even make it the full 10 days uh -huh. because of worsening renal failure and multiple organ failure. So severe, the patients were going to die and their life was threatened. Now, if you add 8% and 23%, that's 31% <laughs> of all the people in 10 days or less had acute kidney failure, multiple organ failure that was threatening their lives. Those were the two studies Anthony Fauci quoted that he said provides evidence of safety and efficaciousness to now flood this into the American public. Now, in the same memo and in the same month, Anthony Fauci reached out to our federal government and said, I have chosen the drug of choice to treat all COVID-19 patients with and all Americans. I want our federal government to buy up all of the stock from Gilead Sciences. Do not share this remdesivir drug with any other country until the end of 2020. And then you can ship it out. This is what it was. So my question is this. 
America was the only country using remdesivir to treat all COVID-19 patients in hospitals. Where did 100% of all the people in America who were Americans who died of COVID-19, where did they die? In the hospital. In hospitals. Yeah. What was the only country treating people with remdesivir? Ours. America. Which country in the world still today has the highest amount of deaths from supposedly COVID-19? Right. America. We had almost double the amount of any other country's deaths from COVID-19 at the end of 2020. We had 550,000 dead Americans. Right. In less than seven months from May through December. This is uh, like Holocaust numbers to me. No, I agree. This is what it is. There's no two ways about it. And then as as we know, in the beginning, when when they came on, Burks and Fauci, and came on and discussed everything. They were using that Imperial College study that turns out to be a total fraud. We find out, I I heard early on because I saw um, the guy that created the PCR test has a whole speech he gives on on video, anyone can see it, where he's talking about Fauci being a fraud and that the PCR test is not supposed to be diagnosing any of this. So early on, it was clear that there was all these false positives. The question still is, is there a COVID or was it, is it the flu? I mean, the flu disappeared because COVID came and then they're treating them with things. Everyone's been able to treat themselves for the flu for decades. Nobody dies. I mean, people do die from the flu, but not in these numbers. I I, I still, it's still very confusing how this even got this far. So Mel Kay, let's see if this makes sense for you or your audience. Okay, great. Do you know what the percentage of all infected worldwide, even if it is supposedly a virus, what is the percentage of human beings that were infected with SARS-CoV-2 supposedly? What was the percentage of them that died from complications of COVID-19? Do you know the percentage? No. It's less than 1% worldwide. Okay, now listen. It's less than 1% worldwide. I just gave you the study that backed the reasoning for Anthony Fauci to mandate specifically one drug called remdesivir from a study that it caused a mortality rate of 54% of all people they gave it to. So I then went on to tell you each of the mortality rates for the other four drugs. So I have a question for you. When people ask me about monoclonal antibodies, what do you think, Dr. Artis? Do you think we should use these? They're basing it off of the Ebola study trial. Now, this is me. If less than 1% of all people in the world who get COVID-19 are going to die from COVID-19, we're talking less than 1%. This is the real stat. Right. Why would you pick any drug from any trial that had over a 30% mortality rate? Why? It doesn't even make any sense. You should only be looking for drugs that have less than the less than 1% cause of death from COVID-19 infections to be the only drug. There's only one drug that has that statistic, by the way, one. And there's 64 studies around the world proving that it actually does not cause acute renal failure in anybody for the last 40 years. It's been FDA approved for over 20 years and it won the Nobel Prize for Curing Human Diseases in 2015. What drug is that? Ivermectin. 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 So that's Ivermectin. Ivermectin hasn't caused renal failure in anybody ever. All right, so that was in May, 2020. I've been in the media ever since trying to keep people out of hospitals because I know they've set up the hospitals to be like the death camps in the Holocaust. Right. This is no joke. They are killing you with chemicals they're injecting into you versus breathing it into you through vents in the gas chambers. All right. Right. Exactly. So that's in May. 
that's in May. Now, fast forward to uh, September of 2020. Right. And France is watching the statistics in America. And we have like 400,000 Americans dead, but we're the only country using this remdesivir drug. Remember, Anthony Fauci said, don't share it with any other countries. Don't ship it out until the end of 2020. So in September, France gets five treatment dosages of remdesivir, and they decide to give it to five patients in Paris. Okay. And I have the study right here. It's amazing. All right. So it's titled Case Report Study of the First Five COVID-19 Patients treated with remdesivir in France. This is amazing. They only picked five, right? Here we right. go. What did they find? This is what they found. Of the five, they were going to do a 14-day treatment period of remdesivir. Of the five, remdesivir had to be stopped treatment-wise before the initially planned 14-day duration in four of the five patients. Why? Because two of them had liver enzyme elevations three to five times the normal range from what they were before they started giving them remdesivir. And this is liver failure at those levels. So they had to stop them on the remdesivir because it was causing liver damage. Two of the patients who were given remdesivir had to be taking off remdesivir early because of renal failure requiring kidney transplants. Oh my God. They killed the kidneys right. and had to do kidney transplants to two of them. Two of the five died in those 14 days. Oh my God. Only one, only one survived and made it to the end. So France was like, uh, screw that. We're not using that drug. So right. they didn't. It's great. This is why France doesn't have the death numbers that America does. Remember, America has the highest deaths of COVID-19 in the entire world still. We're at 690,000 right now dead in ICUs being treated with COVID-19 protocols. And it is remdesivir is the core deadly drug. It's not the only one. It is the majority of the cause of all acute renal failure, which is on every death certificate on every single patient coming out of ICUs. Wow. They say complications due to COVID acute renal failure is the second diagnosis. Third is some, is secondary COVID pneumonia. It's not COVID pneumonia, right? They're not, they're not swab testing them either for viral or bacterial pneumonia. They are resisting doing that, saying it's not a hospital protocol. And they're doing that because they don't want to show you possibly right. that it's actually pulmonary edema, water saturating their lungs because of the acute kidney failure they're causing with remdesivir, right. which is the same thing they did with vancomycin. It was just another deadly father, dangerous drug. Yeah. Now, now, so basically people are drowning and they're unable to uh, get water out of their bodies. So it's accumulating. This is why they have to- everything This is down. why they have to- this is why they have to vent them. They have right. to force air to their lungs because their lungs are full of water and mucus now. It's ridiculous. Oh, my God. So, again, uh, you know, you said something earlier, which which I've been saying for a long time. This is uh, very, very scary because it does remind me a lot of um, Nazi Germany. A lot of people don't realize that the way that they began uh, getting people into the ghettos before they started putting them onto trains was a virus, uh, typhus, they said. And they said that uh, the Jews had, um, and not just Jews, by the way, people always think that it's not. It was many, many groups of people, smaller groups of people, they targeted groups. But um, it what they even were saying- their, Even their own scientists in Germany, they killed them all. Right, but they were saying that there, it was a, under racial hygiene. So that was their thing. And that there was an outbreak. So they had to move them into, it was loads was one of them um, of the ghettos. They had to move them into there. And then shortly after that, Hitler's, uh, health ministry made it that anyone that um, was suspected of having this virus uh, could now be um, quarantined, involuntary quarantine in hospitals or other facilities. 
that was the beginning of them putting people on trains. At first, people were going willingly. And as you know, and my audience knows because I talk about it, the original thing with the gas chambers was that they were going in there to be uh, de-liced or, you know, to be treated for the, the virus, of course, never to come out. But this was going on and uh, it, it's the same playbook in my mind. I think it's the same people, it is. you know, and uh, and like you're saying, the, the truth of the matter is people don't want to believe that um, these doctors and nurses and and pharmacists and all them are complicit. I guess people don't want to believe evil exists, but uh, I have to remind people that maybe 6 million people died in those camps, but a million people worked there. You know, it's, it's, what do you mean? How do you think those camps ran? Because people ran them. So why is it so people hard to believe? People ask me all the time, do you think the doctors and the hospital administrators are complicit in the murderous protocols and hospitals? And this is what I tell them. The first three or four months, I would have given them forgiveness because they were so busy. They didn't have time to look at the research studies. Right. But they've had enough time now, a year and a half later, to observe that the exact same thing happens with every patient. And I promise you, my videos have made it around. In fact, Mel Kay, the Associated Press reached out to me today wanting to fact check. I know, I'm sure. Demons. And, I, and I sent them all the documents and I was like, as long as you will publish all of this, and just to make sure you're aware, if you don't mention it, all the documentation that I just sent you, all the research studies that chronologically lay out the fact that remdesivir is proven to cause acute kidney failure in less than five to 10 days, and everybody they give it to, then I'm going to hold the Associated Press and right. you complicit in the murdering that is going to continue in thousands and thousands of America, along with Anthony Fauci. Yeah. That was my that was my yeah. reply. I'm telling so, you, when I'm looking at this, I'm thinking Fauci's going to have the same uh, legacy as Dr. Mangala. This is so crazy oh, to me. It has to be this on is, purpose. It has to be. Yep. It had to have been a purposeful choice. I don't know, to depopulate, to steal the election, uh, to make a ton of money. But whatever the case may be, people have to wake up. I, why are doctors still following this? Why aren't more doctors brave enough to say to stop? I, I don't understand. Yep. Yeah, you're seeing very few whistleblowers. There are some coming forward. And they're mostly nurses or right. uh, I, I mother staff. Nurse, but yeah. I want I want some medical doctors and some hospital administrators to come forward and go. This is disgusting. I'm tired for them right. paying us. This is not a joke. I just found it like three days ago. I heard it referenced, and I was like, I gotta find it. And on the Centers for Medicare Medicaid Services.gov website, it's cms.gov. Okay. There is actually a memo that they sent to all hospitals and it lives on cms.gov right now. And it lists several codes of treatment for COVID-19 patients, but the title is the 20% bonus payout to all doctors and hospitals who will treat with remdesivir oh and no God. other treatment. And then they give you the codes in order to get the extra sure. payout right. for using remdesivir. You know what, if remdesivir was so miraculous and was saving lives and everybody in hospitals, why does our federal government have to incentivize or bribe medical doctors and hospitals to use that drug? Right. Every hospital administrator is going to go like this. Well, I'm not treating patients, but you employees who are the medical doctors, the nurses, you guys are going to actually put down that code and you're going to use remdesivir so that we get 20% more payout from Medicare and Medicaid. It's disgusting. Yeah. When in fact, just five months ago in April, the World Health Organization database, they did a review to find out they want to do what's called a reporting odds ratio. They wanted to see there's four different primary drug treatments around the world in all countries for COVID-19. And those four drugs are remdesivir, 
hydroxychloroquine. Oh my goodness. Hydroxychloroquine. And then what's called tocilizumab and lopinavar. Now these are the four. And what they did is they did a review in the World Health Organization database since the beginning of the pandemic. And they wanted to know what's the reporting odds ratio of acute renal failure showing up with all four of these drug treatments. And this is what was found five months ago. Okay. The reporting odds ratio of acute renal failure, renal being kidney failure, with remdesivir was 20-fold that of comparative drugs, including hydroxychloroquine. So assessment, yeah, go ahead. Assessment of patients with COVID-19 renal function should prevail before and during treatment for COVID-19 if you're going to use remdesivir because they can see it creates and causes acute renal failure. This is amazing. Associated Press reaches out to me today and says, we're going to fact check this. You know what my response was? You're two years too late. I've already got all the documents. It's already out there. I'm just going to give it to you. So this is ridiculous. Now I have to share this with your audience, Mel K. Please. You know who Thomas, you know who Thomas Renz is, right? Yeah, he's my buddy. We're going to see him too. He's fighting back in the courts. Thank God. Yeah, he's about to drop some bombshell lawsuits against remdesivir protocols in hospitals. He was right. so excited. We talked yeah, the other day, too. but I, I called him in the middle of a, a Zoom call he had with a bunch of attorneys working on this lawsuit. Right. And I said, hey, Thomas, I'm sorry I, I, to interrupt your meeting, but uh, I just need to ask you something. I said, uh, you know, I get thousands of emails all week long of patients who hear me talking about these ICU protocols being deadly. And when they get my actual information and they can follow the chronological order of decline, I'm saying is going to happen in ICUs with remdesivir that's proven. Mm-hmm. All of them report back that this is exactly the deteriorating circumstances with their loved ones in ICU verbatim. They go in, they get on remdesivir, acute kidney failure, they're then vented, and then they're struggling to breathe and they die. All right, right. so here we go. I, I told Thomas, I said, Thomas, Every doctor that these loved ones are actually trying to advocate for their, for their patients who are in the hospitals, they demand of the doctors to stop remdesivir treatment based on all the stuff we're teaching them. And then they demand ivermectin or hydroxychloroquine. And I can't believe it. I told Thomas, every single one of these doctors actually say that ivermectin is not an approved drug to treat COVID-19. This is what they say. Now, all the media says it also. In fact, the media has been told by whoever's governing them right. to make sure the entire yeah. world all of a sudden believes ivermectin is a horse dewormer. I saw. And doesn't saw. apply to humans. It's so ridiculous. Okay. No, so this the is their FDA put out a tweet saying it. The FDA actually put out a tweet saying, you're not a horse, you're not a cow, you shouldn't be taking ivermectin. And I'm thinking, oh my God, it was the World Health Organization called it an essential drug for humans. How It's on the list so- of the top 30 essential drugs. Yep. For humans. It actually won the Nobel Prize for curing two human diseases. Okay. It didn't win a Nobel Prize for curing horses or animals. It was for curing two diseases in humans. Go look it up. All y'all look at all y'all listening going, oh, he's a conspiracy theorist. Go look it up. And then you yeah. should like slap the FDA, never trust them again or listen to them. You should actually right. take them off your Twitter feed or Twitter feed, whatever it is. Just give it up. Yeah. But uh, this is what I, I wanted to share with your audience. Great. For everyone who has loved ones that go into an ICU, Please don't go there. Right. Just don't go. Just stay home. Early treatment's best. Remember, less than 1% of all people die. If you think you're going to die, you don't want to die. I don't think in an ICU where your family, loved ones can't be there. Cold, dead environment, non-supportive, non-loving, non-caring. I think you'd rather stay at home. So your best bet is to stay home and get early treatment. And we have some things we can throw out there about how you can get these early prophylactic preventative treatments like hydroxychloroquine, 
proven to be 20 times less causing acute renal failure than the chosen ICU drug remdesivir. All right. right. So you're safer to stay home. All right. So I just want you to know that I found like uh, last Monday, not this Monday, the Monday before I was getting ready to be filmed in a documentary. And I just happened to be sitting in a lobby of a hotel and I was on NIH.gov's website, surfing, going down rabbit holes. Right. I couldn't believe it. I came across the table and all your audience needs to know about it. It's on NIH.gov's website. Just so you know, the NIH from May 1st, 2020 has been the one, tell the federal health agency that's been telling all hospitals, this is how you treat COVID-19 patients, only remdesivir. This on NIH.gov's website right now exists a table titled Table 2E, Characteristics of Antiviral Agents that are Approved or Under Evaluation for the Treatment of COVID-19. Last updated July 8th, 2021. I just want you to know, if you go on NIH.gov's website and you try to find this, good luck. But if you type in the title, let's just see if I can hold this up for your audience. Let's see if they're right. going to see this, by the way. If I they can, can see it. that. Yeah. And they can screenshot that, yeah. screenshot the title yeah. and type it in any Google search, DuckDuckGo search, the title of this chart and put NIH. It actually brings up the link. When wow. the page comes up, slide up the page and there's a table in the middle of the page and it says, click this button for the table. You know, it's you're on the page, but they still want you to click another button to open the chart. Click the button and this chart appears. What's amazing? The very first drug on this chart, you want to guess what it is? I mean, we know what it is. It's been May 1st, 2020. It's been the only drug they tell you to use. What drug is it? Remdesivir. Remdesivir. So remdesivir is the first one. They tell you all the doses, but I couldn't believe it when I actually scrolled up to the second drug on the antiviral agent that's approved by the NIH or under evaluation for the treatment of COVID-19. It's remdesivir first, ivermectin's number two. Wow. Ivermectin's number two, and it tells you for adults with COVID-19, the dose most commonly used in clinical trials is 0.2 to 0.6 milligrams per kilogram of body weight, given as a single dose over a five-day period. Now, what's miraculous about this is ivermectin doesn't cause any renal failure, and it's on the NIH's website as a treatment Right. Listed with the same descriptor as remdesivir, which is it's an antiviral agent approved or under evaluation for COVID-19 treatment. And they do not differentiate on this chart that remdesivir is only approved and maybe ivermectin is just considered under evaluation. No, no, no. It's on the same list under the same title. So I've asked everyone in the world, particularly those in all of America, to print this damn chart. Right. And go up to the hospital and throw it in your doctor's faces because they're all lying to you when they say ivermectin's not this. Now, you have to understand, the NIH has this on their site. Right. Have they told the media this? Have they shared this with CNN, Fox, anybody in the mass media? No, they haven't told anybody. No. They don't want them no. to know. But what they are doing, and I promise you they're doing this, they're covering their rear ends. Right. That's what I was going to say. The lawsuits come out, right. they can go like this. But we published it on our site back in right. July 2021. The truth is they're still keeping it hidden. They're still being nefarious and they have created a treatment protocol proven to cause acute renal failure leading to pulmonary edema. And even if you have any true viral pneumonia or cytokine st storm in your lungs, which is mucus building up in your lungs, Mel K, do you think it's beneficial to flood the same organ with water and mucus? Do you think that would be beneficial helping these people? Oh my God, this is so evil. It's murder. It's murder. It is murder. So please. Stand up to those people who are actually telling you you cannot use ivermectin. Ivermectin is proven safe and effective for yeah. humans. Won the Nobel Prize for humans. Guess what did not and never has successfully passed a trial 
a human trial before the pandemic when it was given the EUA. And guess what drug never won a Nobel Prize? Remdesivir. But ivermectin did for curing two human diseases right. that before never could be cured. So please don't believe the lies. No. Please understand there's documents we're always trying to research, trying to actually get out to you. Right. And if you happen to read the Associate, associate the, the Associated Press's uh, uh, fact check article yeah. on me, if they decide to put that out, just remember, watch the Mel K show. If this is recorded, watch it. I gave you all the documentation for the two years leading up to that fact check article. And yeah. If you want any of it, I'll send it to you. You can Excellent. go to the Dr. Artist Show, the D-R-A-R-D-I-S show, the D-R-A-R-D-I-S show. Put in your email. Yeah. Well, I'll also Put link everything below. But I have to say yeah. to you, what um, this is crazy because you, like you said about medical school and all of that, the, the oath has gone out the window. Also, I know that people were being um, prescribed hydroxychloroquine, going to the pharmacist, and the pharmacist would refuse it, even though they had... Um, had gotten them from doctors uh, prescriptions. And that's that was happening all over, especially in New York. No, but you can still, still not get either ivermectin nor hydroxychloroquine in New York, period. You can't get it. Yeah, so yeah, there's retail, corporate retails who like pharmacies like CVS, Walgreens, right. they're actually passing down mandates, corporate mandates that their pharmacists are not allowed to fill prescriptions for right. COVID-19. Number one, if the pharmacist asks you, is this for COVID-19? You say, it's none of your damn business. <laughs> Right. And that's what you say. I'm not, I don't have to tell you anything or say no. So you get the actual medication. However, take this chart with you and then just hand it to the pharmacist. Uh, it's actually listed right here for COVID-19. Don't give me that crap. So anyway, they are doing that and trying to stand in the way. So there's actually three resources I would like to give your audience right. where they can actually get prescriptions from home, right. either given to them digitally or direct mail you ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine or budesonide, anything to help you survive COVID-19 right. with early treatment at home. Right. So those, those three things would be number one, synergyhealthdpc.com, S-Y-N-E-R-G-Y healthdpc.com. This group actually, you pay a fee initially, it's 150 bucks, and they guarantee a slot in a seven to 10 day window where an individual is going to call you like a nurse practitioner or a doctor. They're going right. to call you, go through your stuff and what you want. Right. And then they have direct mailing from compound pharmacies to 49 states in America. Okay. Right. You don't have to worry about a prescription and trying to go find it in New York because no one wants to give it to you. They've all been told not to. Okay. Right. Thank you, Cuomo. All right. So that's number one. Number two is myfreedoctor.com. Myfreedoctor.com. This is a group who does free teleconsults, free teleprescriptions. They do ask once they provide the prescription to you. They ask for donations if you can give it to them and you should oh, wow, because they're helping you get nice. it. Wow. But uh, myfreedoctor.com is great. It's Ben Marble. This is the medical doctor there. That group has in it. I'm in it. Even though I'm not a prescribing doctor, they asked me to be in the group, but Peter McCullough is in that group. Oh, wow. Zeb's is in that group. Reich is in that group. I mean, there's right. a bunch of us that are in there. So there's some great individuals there. There's right. also uh, doctors from the American Frontline Doctors Group that are in that group, like Angie Farrell, who's a pediatrician. She can help you get those prescriptions. It's wonderful. Great. So those are great resources. And then uh, what's the third one? FLCC.net. They have a directory on there of all 50 states and clinicians in your area, possibly you can actually just call and actually get the prescriptions or go in and visit who will give you prescriptions for ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine or budesonide or whatever else you need. Right. If you can't find somebody in your state or they're too busy, you can actually go directly to flccc.net, set up an appointment. They do via telemedicine for a fee. So it's like 90 right. bucks or something. It's totally worth it. Your life is worth $90. It's not worth going to the hospital 
Uh, there's ways of getting these. So flccc.net, that's three C's with myfreedoctor.com. They help you get the prescriptions the same day right. or within the first couple of days. Then you can go get that filled. Compound pharmacies are going to be the ones you want to list on those sites for them to write the script for because these compound pharmacies do not have the same restrictions as retail pharmacies do. They're finding huge issues with that. Okay? Right. That's number one. And then if you have just want stuff preventively at home in case you get it because the fall is coming, coronaviruses are right. cold viruses. So if I you know. want them, uh, go to synergyhealthdpc.com and they can actually send it to you. Right. Now, the last thing I wanted to ask you before I let you go. Um, so they talk about this Delta variant uh, and uh, people say that there's no test for the Delta variant. At least they're not doing it because it's very expensive, all of that. But then um, I found out, I'm just checking with you that this is true. The CDC has ordered everyone to say that whether you're vaccinated or not within 14 days of the shot, you're to put down, the doctors are to put down that you're unvaccinated. It appears that most of the uh, this Delta variant and all of this stuff is people that are vaccinated within that 14 day period. And they're saying that they're unvaccinated. Is that what's going on? There is actual printed documents from the government that a person who's been vaccinated with COVID-19 shots, right. they are considered unvaccinated for 14 days after their second shot. Now, just so you know, if you look at the statistics from Israel, 98% of that entire country has been vaccinated twice fully for COVID-19. Right. August 1st of this year, so last month, August 1st, they rolled out booster shots. So a third shot. If you haven't seen the statistics yet, Israel not only has more COVID-19 cases in the country than they did during the peak of the pandemic in 2020, they now have more hospitalized COVID-19 patients more than they did during the pandemic. So countries like Sweden did this. Did you see this? Sweden yeah. did this. They made this announcement. They said, no one from Israel is allowed to be a tourist and come visit our country. You're not allowed to come. The United States, you're not allowed to come either. You're not bringing these vaccine-derived viruses into our country. Right. And I think that's right. brilliant. It's unfortunate, but it's brilliant. Yeah. But yes, so what they're doing in hospitals are those who have been vaccinated, as soon as they get the vaccine, within a two-week window of time, most people will experience fever, cough, headache within the first right. week. Right. And then when they go to the hospitals, they'll say, did you get a vaccine? Yes, I did. When did you get it? Uh, and if it's less than 14 days, they write down unvaccinated. This is a way to drive the narrative. We've also heard this, Mel Kay. Hospital administrators in multiple states, nurses and admins have already been telling us, I'm sorry, admissions, not admins. Admissions have been telling us that the administrators for the hospitals in three different states have been telling over the last month and a half their nurses working in the COVID wards to go around to all charts. And if the charts state that that individual in the COVID ward is actually listed as vaccinated on the chart, to delete it and write unknown. The it's, second it's thing that, oh my it is crazy. The, the second thing we're hearing reported is by nurses and ad, admissions is that the admissions are being told that when an individual walks in and they say, I'm having symptoms of a fever, cough, headache, anything related possibly to COVID admissions is to first ask, have you been vaccinated? If they say yes. Okay. They want to know how long has it been? If it's less than the 14 days, they call it unvaccinated. Right. If it's longer than 14 days, admissions administrators are telling the admissions to not PCR test them to see if they're COVID-19 positive. But if a patient walks in and they say that they haven't been, uh, they're unvaccinated and they have these symptoms, you're to PCR test all of them. 
And this is how you drive the narrative that every COVID-19 positive case in hospitals are unvaccinated. This is how you get it. So if you don't think this is nefarious, it is pure evil and disgusting. The Delta variant is definitely being driven. All the variants are going to be driven by this pandemic. Yeah. And we're not the only scientists saying this. I'm not a scientist. I'm a doctor. But there are virologists and immunologists who have been speaking out in the media galore, warning the entire world. You cannot start a vaccination program in the middle of an outbreak of a virus. The virus is just going to simply mutate around the mRNA particle you're injecting into people, which is is just a snippet of the genetic code of the SARS-CoV-2 virus. It just has to change its code slightly around the antibody. And then you create a more transmissible, more infectious virus, but it is always one variant to the next is less deadly unless you can create a cocktail in hospitals that is more dangerous than remdesivir alone. And right now they're using a combination of remdesivir, which causes acute renal failure in 31% of all people within five days to 10 days. Two, they've added dexamethasone that adds another 4% of acute kidney failure to patients that you give in five to 10 days. And then they've added the drug they gave my father-in-law called vancomycin. It's up to 10% within five to 10 days that experience acute kidney failure. If you go into a hospital now and you're unvaccinated, your risk of dying from acute renal failure, liver failure goes up because the cocktail drugs they're using are even more deadlier than the beginning of COVID-19. Yeah, I mean, the bottom line is don't go to the hospital. We cannot trust the the doctors and nurses in hospitals now. And like you said, I I have a memo that I kept from Cuomo that he sent uh, to all the um, nursing homes and everything that mandated them to take in sick people that weren't supposed to be there into the nursing homes. And uh, that is really what happened there is that they, they infected them on purpose. And then they probably, then they went to the hospital and were put on exactly what you're talking about. And they died. Yeah. Did you hear about this? Did you hear about the studies in the UK? They found that there was a viral load inside of all UK United Kingdom healthcare workers who have been fully vaccinated. They had 200 times the viral load right. in yeah, their sinuses that. compared to the unvaccinated and they stated that this could be a possible threat to other healthcare workers and the patients who are coming in to be treated because you're going to be shedding more viral particles right. on those who are unvaccinated or being treated. It's, it's just it's, ridiculous. It's the whole thing terrifying. is ridiculous and deadly people and evil. People really have to not, but besides, besides that, people have been getting the flu for, for decades. I, I don't, why this is, this is so crazy. Listen, it doesn't make any sense. Listen, listen. The medical profession in 140 years, the whole pharmaceutical complex in 140 years has not figured out how to cure the flu with vaccines. Why in the world do any of you think they figured it out in seven months with this novel new coronavirus from a bat? Come on. It's just so ridiculous. Listen, I have said this for the last 20 years. You got to break this down logically for people. I've said this for years. Why do we pump billions of dollars into cancer research billions yeah when the same industry the same pharmaceutical institutions haven't figured out a cure for the common cold yet why if they haven't figured out that one why do you think for a second they're going to come up with some solution and pump billions of dollars into it to create some cure for for covid19 all of a sudden and then cancer you're not gonna they haven't ever figured it out it's either they don't want to figure it out (laughs) cut out the organ it's just ridiculous just it doesn't even make any sense they haven't cured the common cold in 140 years they haven't figured out 
how to cure the flu with vaccines. It's never worked. The flu still shows up every year. Yep. Coronaviruses aren't going away. Cold viruses aren't going away. This one may never go away. Stop worrying about it. Natural immunity has proven to be more effective. The most of the world already got COVID-19. You have T cells, thymus cells that can identify any variant of COVID-19 moving forward, period. Do not vaccinate. Vaccines damage your natural immunity's response and defense against future variants, period. Look at Israel. You now know this is what happens. Right. Look at the United States. Yeah. Here we go. Yeah. Uh, well, hopefully uh, we will see some justice and some uh, some people fighting back. It looks like anyone whose family member died of, of COVID in the hospital needs to get their records and uh, really go through Everyone them with a, just like you just did right here. And if that's involved, we need giant class action lawsuits. And these doctors and nurses and pharmacists need to go to jail. Uh, I'm, this is ridiculous. It is it is murder and it is sickening. And uh, thank you, Dr. Artis. You are helping so many people. Um, it's not a, it's not a surprise that everything you do goes viral. I'm so grateful you were here. I'm looking very forward to seeing you uh, in Colorado Springs, hearing you speak. And uh, it's an honor to have you on. You really are a hero in this in this really dark time. So uh, thank Mel you again. Mel Kay, you're a hero for letting me talk to your audience. <laughs> okay. For having enough love and compassion for them to know the truth. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, you know what? We got we need more of that love and compassion because it, it's really lacking right now. So thank you so much, Dr. Artis. And I will see you soon and I will share all your links. And everyone, please go to his website and sign up. Uh it, he sends out great stuff constantly, and um, it's a really good resource for all things he talked about today. Thank you so much. I will see you this weekend. I can't week. wait to pump more love into America from Colorado Springs. You're right. See you there. Forgotten country. See you. Bye-bye.